Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Thank you, Lord. Would you do me a favour right now? Would you just close your eyes for just a minute? No distraction. Would you lift your hand toward heaven, your palms towards heaven right now? Because God is here and He's very real and He's very ever-present. And His presence is very tangible in the house today. And I want Him to touch you afresh today. I want us all to leave refreshed, renewed, blessed, favoured, accepted, loved upon and encouraged today. So lift your hands towards heaven and let me pray for you this morning. God, I ask right now in the presence of your saints, Lord, that you would come and touch us afresh and touch us anew today. And I thank you, Lord, that we serve a living and mighty King in the house today. And we give you all the praise. And God, we're hungry for your word. Lord, would you anoint the word today? Would you allow our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what it is you have to say? And Lord, we look to you right now. God, for the answer of every need in the house, we thank you, Lord, that you are here and already you're doing miracles. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, amen. Come on, why don't we give him another round of applause? You're a good God. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Lozzie, you guys are just sensational. Can we just give them another round of applause? Awesome. You may take your seats if you do want to move forward. The spitter for the anointing is on the front row. (laughs) I'll never forget, my old pastor used to get, you know, the white pasty balls? And it was like, by the end of 40 minutes, it was sensational. He'd be in the power of the Holy Ghost and it'd be like, and like, you know, you'd see like people with their Bibles got it. And it wasn't because they wanted to be anointed. They were trying to stop the spit from flowing. It was just awesome. How many of you know there's anointing in the pastor's spit? Ah, awesome. And it'd be like, someone get the guy a drink of water, please. Ah, awesome. Who's happy to be in church this morning? Come on, we're going to have a bit of fun. We're going to have a bit of fun. We're going to get into the Word. We're going to be challenged. We're going to be changed. We're going to leave this place empowered for our week, for our month, for our year. We're going to be inspired to just get out there and get amongst it. Amen. Uh, <laughs> what are you saying, sir? Nick Custine, I love you guys. You're awesome. You are awesome. Uh, praise God for good friends. Amen. Uh, okay, I've got a bit of a quiz to start us off. How many of you know... What's coming up in 180 days, in approximately eight hours, about 23 seconds, 22, 21, 20. <laughs> Quick, someone's on Google. I can see it. <laughs> 2016, in 180 days, we will see. <laughs> Hallelujah. But before Christ returns... <laughs> Ah, what happens every four years? Hey! The Olympics, people. It dawned on me at 3 a.m. this morning. My goodness, 2016, Rio. We're going to be looking forward to another couple of months of, uh, you know, the hype leading up to it. TV, mum, mum, sour look. Dad's going to be watching the Olympics. It's going to be the talk of the town. 
you know, around the Olympics, that time of year, there's just a hype. There's an energy. And as it's leading up and the ads start developing on television, people start getting excited. And there's just an energy about the Olympics. And I thought to myself, why is that? You know, for four years, the best of the best, the elite of the elite have been preparing and training and disciplining themselves to all come together to meet for an opportunity to just claim the prize of 306 medals up for grabs. How cool is that? 206 countries all come together in one place. They're trained, they're disciplined, they're athletic looking and they are ready. They've got their eyes on the prize and they are going for it with passion and with with striving forward. And I just thought, man, that's cool. And, uh, you know, fair enough that there's hype and there's energy. No wonder that there's hype and there's energy. And I thought about it for a minute and I thought, how cool would it be Is it if, if every Sunday morning we came into this place, when we're all gathered together in one place, in one accord, that there's energy and there's passion in you and we're trained and we're diligent because this is the month of dream. This is the month of purpose. This is the month where we've said goodbye to 2015. We've said goodbye. There was challenges. There was this. There was that there was breakthrough but now February 7th 6th 7th today 7th today we are moving forward last week we wrote down dreams and Pastor Christian preached it is important that we have our dream before us that we're striving for something because his house 12 months ago was just a dream but now they are living in their new home it's not a dream anymore it's important people that we are striving forward and so the title of my message is a purpose-driven life It's the purpose-driven life. We need to live as Christian believers a purpose-driven life. Christ did not come and give us his all, give us his life, give us the salvation through the blood that was shed on the cross for us just to live a life. We need to live a purpose-driven life. It's the heartbeat of him toward you and I today that we live purpose-driven. And so I just want to have a bit of a look at the life of Paul. Because if there's anybody in the Bible that lived a purpose-driven life, it was Paul. Amen? So you got your Bibles with me this morning. It's going to be great. I love athletes. I just love them. I'm fascinated by them. In fact, I could watch them for hours uh, in, their, in their chosen sport, their passion, their desire for that. And, and some of the attributes that are so important and that athletes need to possess to be the best at what they do, uh, desperation. You know, I was reading through some of um, just some things online about the Olympics and, and what coaches are looking for in, in the, the athlete. What makes an athlete to a, a top athlete? You know, what are the differences? This desperation for their sport, a desperation, a love, a desire, a passion for it, discipline. They've got to have discipline, They've determination. They've got to be determined that they're going to be the best dedication they've got to be dedicated to their sport and a fantastic attitude and I was thinking cool well I'm going to find all these attributes in Paul this morning as we read through scripture because he possessed those but guess what far more and far greater and I think as you and I as we read the life of Paul Christ desires that we have these attributes and more because we're called to be the head church and not the tail. We're called to be the best of the best. We're called to be athletic, spiritual athletes for Christ, trained, disciplined, passionate, desired. And so we're going to get into it this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, and we'll read through to 27. Uh, 
I'm just going to read, I think this is from, what did I put, the message version? I'm not sure. Anyway, I'll read it here. Uh, No, this is NIV. Sorry. Do you know, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So guess what? We're all running. We're all running. It doesn't say, oh, some of you just stand on the sideline and watch. No, no, no. We're all in the race, people. We're all running. And so Paul encourages us, don't just run. Run in such a way that you are going to get that prize. So in running in such a way, there's disciplines that we need to apply to our life to run in such a way that we would obtain what Christ wants for us to receive. Amen? Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And they do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Again, can I encourage you this morning, we're not running this, this earthly life just for ourselves and just for self-gain and, and for self-preservation. We're running to receive a crown, a prize. Eternity is a, a real place that we will be in. And this is just the appetizer. This life is just the appetizer for the main meal of heaven. Amen? And it's going to be awesome once we get there. And I want to get a big, fat crown with jewels that look so blingy that people can't even look at me because it's just so out there. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to get a crown. We're, we're persevering forward. There's prizes at hand, people. And Paul goes on. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Have you ever seen anyone running aimlessly? Just for a minute. I don't know if you've ever seen like a a one or two year old that's just found their legs and they're off. That's running aimlessly. There's a little bit, there's really no direction. They've kind of, woo, and they're going around in circles and they move forward and they trip over. It's a little bit chaotic. And Paul says, don't run. This Christian race people aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer, beating the air. (laughs) No. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What an incredible attitude. Wow. What vision did Paul possess that we need afresh today? This Christian walk, brother and sister, is something that is going to come at times at a cost and as a challenge, but there's an upward calling in Christ. It's upward. We're moving heavenward as we do it. And you know what? I want to take as many people on the journey as possible with me. I want to look behind me and think, you know what? As a result of my living my Christian walk, that person's been impacted and now they're living their Christian walk. They're going after Jesus themselves. That's my passion. I want to just pick apart a little bit uh, about some attributes of a profile of a spiritual champion because that's what I think Paul was. He was a spiritual champion. What's a spiritual champion and and what does a spiritual champion look like? Uh, Let me just read for a minute. You know, out of 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 and and 8, there's just, man, you need to read the word because gosh, it's life-giving. And there's just some incredible stuff. It's our training manual, people. The Bible is our training manual. Basic instruction before leaving earth. Bible. Basic instruction before leaving earth. It's basic and you know what? It's life-giving. And we see a spiritual champion in this scripture that's been there. 
one who's succeeded, one who's come to the end of his life. And as you look back, always had those champion attributes toward God, the Apostle Paul. And he's the man in whom we should look to other than the Lord Jesus if we want to run this race and possess that champion attitude because he had it and he understood it. And I want to share how he had it and why he had it and what encouraged him as he faced a lot of uh, adversity in his life to keep running the race, the good race. He says, I have fought a good fight and I have finished the race and I've remained faithful. Oh man, how many of you and I, I know, would love to be able to say that at the end of our Christian life when we stand before the King, be able to say, I've run the race and I've remained faithful. You know what? I believe we all can. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that great day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his glorious return. Yes, we go through life, we work, we earn money, we build homes, we have children, we send them to school, we work, we study, we do whatever. That's life, that's what it entails. But God desired us to live a far more of a purpose in life than just that. And it's a shame that when we look out amongst our severe of influence, so many people are caught up in the mundane routine of life, really without much purpose to live for. And they're putting their purpose in material things that seem to die off. And so they go to the next best thing, and then it's the next best thing, and nothing is satisfying them. That is because they were created for far greater purpose than what they're living right now. And we carry that purpose. We carry it's the hope of Christ Jesus. We carry it, and we're called to be his ambassadors. And so I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged as I read through Scripture and Paul and his life to, God, I want I want what Paul had. I want that anointing on my life. I want that attitude of pressing forward as a Christian believer. And I want to take others with me. You know, I just so you know, I have fought this good fight. This is what Paul says. And I've finished the race and I've remained faithful. You know, if you read through scripture about the life of Paul, he didn't have it easy. And there was a lot of adversity that came his way. And just a few of the things, I mean, he watched and, and approved the murder of Stephen. I mean, he was, he was in that and amongst that at the time. Shipwrecked, thrown into the lowest dungeon parts of the jail, shackled, persecuted, lived with a thorn in his flesh. Have you ever had a thorn in your finger? It, ouch. Charges were laid against him for the things that he didn't even commit. You know, this was a man that faced many challenges in life and yet the attitude of the man toward God and I've run the race and I've finished it and I've remained faithful I thought Lord I want to be like Paul even though storms come and adversity comes I want to remain faithful I want to run the race I want to keep my eye on the prize and Paul says we run this Christian race in need of much discipline trying to obtain a crown that isn't simply made of perishable goods but one that's going to be last, that will last forever. How cool is that? And as Christians, yes, we need to exercise some disciplines when it comes to reading the Word, spending time in prayer, uh, fellowshipping, coming to church regularly on a Sunday. They're disciplines that we apply to our life. But I've found 
people in my own Christian journey that the closer I am in relationship with Jesus, the less of discipline it feels and the more of life uh, giving it becomes. So the closer I am drawing to Jesus and the relationship that I'm building with God and the love that I have for God, the more that's developed. It's not a discipline to be a part of church and to put my hands to the plow and get involved because discipline follows love. When a relationship is sparked between a young man and a young woman, maybe you know it's a beautiful thing, and the love just is instantly there. They're Google-eyed at each other. I love you. <laughs> That's how I look at Luke often. Hey, babe. <laughs> I don't know if it's love or <laughs> I can't cope, mate. <laughs> uh, a bit of a distortion there, no. <laughs> ah, awesome. But how many of you know that early stages of courting, that love factor? You talk to marriages that are 10 years in, 15 years in, 30 years in, 50 years in, that love factor has come with discipline attached to it. You can't just love somebody and go and date somebody else. There's a discipline that takes place when you love somebody. Hello, are you hearing me this morning? But out of that love for my husband, out of that love for Luke when we were first courting, I didn't want to date anybody else. I didn't even want to look sideways because he was just far too good looking. I want to keep my eyes on the prize, baby. <laughs> the eyes on the prize. <laughs> oh. When interviewed by the media, Wayne Bennett, one of Australia's renowned coaches, says that as a coach, you don't really need to do anything to push the athletes to train or compete. By and large, they deeply love their sport. And with a little positive reinforcement, when things get tough, they keep doing it and pushing themselves further despite the pain often associated with the training. And in the scheme of things, he doesn't really see the Olympics, he or her doesn't see the Olympics as a huge sacrifice. And they believe that, uh, and believes that players are often motivated in part because they indulge in it, they love it with a deep passion. And in the end, they compete at the highest level they can. And the ones who really enjoy it get the best reinforcement whether they receive the medal or not. How cool is that? Athletes don't need to be pushed when they love their sport, when they're passionate about their sport. We should come into this place and we don't need to be pushed to read the word or pushed to pray because we love God. We love God. We love him. We love his word. We love what he has for us. And I read this, these coaches' words and suddenly it dawned on me again and afresh and anew. And hear my heart today. We as the church need to fall in love with Jesus daily and his church again and again and again. Falling in love with the church, the, the bride of Christ, the Bible tells us, that's the church, that's you and I together in one place. We are the church. We need to fall in love with Jesus and his church again. You know, too much of life and its circumstances are vying for our attention, vying for our energies. You know, the challenges, even in home life with children at the moment. My girls seem to be very, very um, abrupt with one another, to put it quite pleasantly. And I would never had a sister, so it really confuses me. I don't understand. And my goodness, it is challenging at some times. Even this morning in church, sitting up the front there, they look beautiful. 
and we won't go any further. But just challenging it and pushing each other like this. And, and I'm thinking as a parent, you know, trying to guide that and keep my cool and keep patient and keep calm. And you just want to go. <laughs> I'm just being real here this morning, okay? challenges us, vying for our attention all the time, you know, trying to steer us off course. But the purpose-driven life is something that takes discipline out of the love. Love God. Love His church again. Fresh this morning. Leave today. God, I love you. And my purpose is found in you. First and foremost, before I do anything else today, afresh, I love you. I love you. I love you and I'm going to serve you, God. We always come back to it, don't we? It's all about love first. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that you and I live a purpose-driven life. You and I live a purpose-driven life, not just a life. You know, I'm surrounded at the moment by just some incredible women that have been coming along and training and exercising as part of a bit of a boot camp thing that we've got going. And, um, you know, just hearing some of their heart stories, my heart goes out to them. They're just in challenging them. And they sort of end their challenge with, oh, I can't really see a way out of it. And uh, on a few occasions now, I've had an opportunity to say, well, you know what? I'm just going to say a prayer for you. I'm going to pray and just ask God that he would change that situation around. Because I don't know about you, but I face some challenging situations in my life. And when I've prayed, God's answered. And so, you know, you get some encouraging looks. Oh, thanks. That'd be great. And then you get other looks like, okay there, widow. <laughs> um, but I don't really care. Because you know what? It's not up to me to do the miracle. It's up to him. And if I just throw it up to God and say, can you touch that person? And he does, well, praise the Lord. And if he doesn't, I get an opportunity again still to share my faith and just be an encouragement and a blessing in their world. You know, who's in your world at the moment that you could just give a positive reinforcing message to? Hey, you're awesome. You know, missed you in church today. Love it if you came next week and we'll do lunch afterwards. Just get around people and love on them. So Paul had a desperation for God. That's my first point is his desperation. It's a really important attribute that, that athletes need and a spiritual champion like Paul had desperation for God. He knew he couldn't do the Christian life without walking in close proximity with Jesus Christ. He needed it. It was his life source. It was his blood flow. It was his passion and his desire and his purpose-driven life. It was found through a very close relationship with Christ. Can I ask you this morning, does your life reflect Christ as that number one love, as your first passion and priority? You know, Paul, in Revelations 2, 4, there's a warning that went out. And it was to the church of Ephesus at the time. And he says, you've, lost, you've left your first love. You know, you've done this for the church and you've done that in, in God's name. But, but, but you've left your first love. And prior to that, Paul had come and he had commended the church of Ephesus for its love for God. But it was interesting as you read the timelines through the book of Ephesus is that many of the first generation Christians who'd planted the church and had such a passion and a zeal for God, they had passed on. And it was the second generation of leaders and churchgoers that Paul was actually addressing. And he was saying, look, you know, you, 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 you've lost your passion. You've lost your zeal for God. You're doing still all the wonderful things for God, but you've lost your passion, your love 
to God, like that relationship. And Paul sort of got in their face and was challenging them to say, stop for a minute and look at your life. Because if you don't, you'll burn out. They were a busy church. And the members didn't, uh, did much to benefit themselves and the community. They were, they were busy. They were out and amongst it. But they were acting out of the wrong motive. You know, church this morning, an athlete, unless they truly love their sport, will not last the dif- distance in training and preparation. If they're distracted by other things, or they want to be the best tennis player and go and train to be a swimmer, how many of you know they won't receive that prize? Could you imagine a swimmer, an Olympic swimmer going out, swimming kilometre after kilometre, day in, day out, early mornings, late evenings, just because they like the exercise? Come on. There's got to be more. They've got to have their eye on a prize. They've got to have a goal in sight. Otherwise, it would be in vain. It would be worth nothing. Discipline flows from love. Paul had a desire, a desperation for God, but he was very disciplined as well. And it only flowed out of that love relationship. You know, I've seen in my own walk with God that the deeper love for him and what I'm doing for him only creates more of a desire to discipline myself in reading his word and praying. And there's, there's seasons in my life where I can reflect and look back and realize that if I haven't been in the word and I haven't been exercising my lips in prayer, that, that God seems distant. Where are you? And yet, church, the Bible tells us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not leave us nor forsake us. It's actually us that distance ourselves. And Paul understood that concept and he knew he needed fellowship with the Lord daily. Daily to keep going on with the mandate that he had on his life. You and I are called to be Christ's ambassadors. There's a mandate on our life to see others one for Jesus Christ. To see others text through the week and say, come to church. To step out in faith and invite somebody over to your connect group or for dinner and just share your faith. Share your story with. There's a mandate on our life. And you know what? The more passionately you're in love with Jesus, the more of a desire you will have to share your story with others because you just can't help it. It's good news. It's good news. There's so much bad news out there, but we've got the good news. Amen. We're called to be the head and not the tail. Let's discipline ourselves to reading our training manual and exercising our lips in prayer on a daily basis. Amen. Determination is another um, attribute he possessed. Determination. You know, many times on the road to Olympics, athletes face difficulties, disappointments, injury, challenge. And it's interesting because those that make the next four years of the Olympics will be those who have not let those disappointments get the better of them. And they, they, they turn those disappointments into more of a determination to press on. Paul was that way. He had a lot of disappointments along the road to, to doing God's work. He had a lot of difficult ties. But every time he had a difficulty, he said, when I'm weak, then I become strong. He looked to God. 
He knew he was the author and finisher of his faith and he turned every single time to God. And he always came back with more determination and a new passion and a new desire to press on. What are the dreams that you wrote down last week? If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you, grab a dream card and write your dream down. The Bible says, get a vision for your life and write it down. Make it plain. Put it before your eyes. Get a goal. Go after it. Make it physical. Make it spiritual. Make it emotional. Make it family. Make it business. Get some dreams for the areas of your life and then go after them. You know, this year in church, I'm not going to be a passive goer. I'm going to be a a participator. I'm going to put my hand to the plow and do whatever they need me to do because I want to see others fill these empty chairs. Amen. Come on, church. Noosa needs Jesus Christ. He is the hope of glory. He is the answer to every challenge, every disease, every principality out there. Amen. Jesus Christ. Sir Edmund Hillary, and as we close this morning, Loz, I might get you to come. That'd be great. Just got a couple more points. Sir Edmund Hillary was the first man to climb Mount Everest. And on May 29, 1953, he scaled the highest mountain then known to man, 29,000 feet straight up. He was knighted for his efforts. He even made American Express Card commercials because of it. However, until we read his book, High Adventure, we don't understand that Hillary had to grow into this success. You see, in 1952, he attempted to climb Mount Everest but failed. A few weeks later, a group in England asked him to address its members. Hillary walked on stage to a thunderous applause. The audience was recognised and attempted at greatness, but Edmund Hillary saw himself as a failure. He moved away from the microphone and walked to the edge of the platform, and he made a fist, and he pointed at the picture of the mountain, and he said in a loud voice, Mount Everest, you beat me the first time, but I'll beat you the next time because you've grown all that you're ever going to grow, but I've only just begun growing. Amen. Can I, can I encourage you this morning? It might be a health challenge that you're staring down. It might be a financial challenge that you're staring down. We as a church want our own building. It's a mountainous, but it can't grow anymore. We can grow as believers and in our faith and in our prayer life and in our word and understand that we draw on the God of the impossible people. He can, be, he can make anything impossible possible. And that's who we look to today. Dedication to your dream. Be dedicated toward it. Without a vision, we read people perish. You know, dreams help take our focus of now and elevate us forward to where God purposes us to be. I guarantee you, you'll never hear an athlete at an interview who's just won the gold medal say, oh, I never dreamed I would win the gold medal. No way. They've trained for it. They've prepared for it. They've disciplined themselves. They have got a goal in sight and they are going after it despite any blow that comes their way. God wants to grant us the desire of our heart. Let me ask you this morning, what is the desire of your heart? Don't keep it closed. Bring it out into the open. Write your desire for your family down. Write the desires for your marriage down. Write the desire for your business down. Again, and afresh, write the desire for your church down. Come on, we need to write it down. We need to get it out there and be disciplined and be encouraged as Paul did to press on and be remain faithful. And attitude is everything. 
attitude is everything. Athletes become the cream of the crop because they remain in right attitude toward their sport, toward their coach and towards discipline their bodies to do what it needs to do to win that prize. Philippians 3 verse 12 and 14 says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goals, Paul again, but I press on to take hold of that which is in Christ Jesus. Took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Yesterday's gone. January's gone. And it's in the past. And we're moving forward as a church. And we're looking forward. And we're dreaming. And we're seeing that building. And we're seeing it filled with people that are going to worship God, that are going to love God, that are going to walk into spiritual blessing and favor and prosperity because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. To know Christ, to be like Christ and to be all Christ has in mind for us. That's how Paul lived. To know Christ, to be like him and to do all Christ asked him to do. Paul got to the end of his life and said, I remained faithful. And I believe that was just first and foremost out of that relationship. Do you know him this morning? Do you know the person you're serving? Jesus Christ loves you and he loves me and he's got an incredible purpose-driven life for every single one of us. Let me encourage you afresh today. Don't get caught up right now where you're at. Dream big. Dream ridiculously big, as Pastor Christian says. Because if we dream, that takes us off the equation and it has to add God to it. Because He is a ridiculously large God. Amen? I want you just to fix your eyes to the screen as we close this morning. Thanks. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. The feeble, he blesses the young, he serves the unfortunate, he rewards the age, he rewards the diligent, and he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He 
our king. Why don't you stand with me this morning? That's our king. That's who we serve. And this morning, just would you just close your eyes with me right now in this place? And that's our king. You're here today, not by fault, not by accident, but by divine nature. God has a fresh purpose and a plan for every single one of us this year. My, my prayer today is that we would all leave just renewed again to live 2016 with purpose, with passion, with discipline, with desire, with just a love for Jesus Christ. Amen. In this place this morning, perhaps you don't know Him. Perhaps you've walked into this place this morning and by chance you've just ended up on a chair and you've heard the Word of God this morning and you've watched that video and you've gone, I really don't know if I know Him this morning, just while every eye is closed. And perhaps He's not the first love. That question I threw out earlier, is He your first love? And today you want to make that right and say, Jesus Christ, I put you first again in my life. While every eye is closed, I want to pray with you this morning. I want you just to lift your hand and say, yeah, Michelle, that's me. Would you include me in that prayer today? Pray for me again. Whether you don't know him this morning, you're inviting Jesus into your life for that first time. Or by chance, he may have taken a back seat in your life. And this morning you want to reaffirm your commitment to him and say, yes, Lord Jesus. Awesome. I see that hand. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else that would be bold and say, Lord, I just need to get right with you. I need to get right with you. I want to be, I want to know you. I want to live for you. I want to be purpose driven in all that I do through a relationship with you. In Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray. Father, I just ask this morning, God, you saw that hand raised and Lord, I just pray right now. Would you just do me a favor and put your hand on your heart? All of us, let's do that right now. God, afresh today. Lord, we give you our heart afresh. And Lord, I just ask right now, Lord, for just a renewing of purpose, a renewing of passion and a renewing of desire. Lord, to walk out of these doors today and to take the message of good news to those who don't know you. Lord God, I ask right now, renew every heart. Lord, you see every family represented here this morning. Lord, I pray again, a fresh blessing, God, over every home represented here. Lord, that 2016 would be our year. And devil, we just remind you, you're under our feet today. We're moving forward and we thank you in the name of Jesus, God, that you have an incredible purpose for C3 Noosa, that we would see it come to pass this year, a building, Father God, salvations for the house. Connect uh, groups doubled, Lord, in Jesus' name, and we would see this building filled with people that love you and that want to serve you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Awesome. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.